to episode 50 of Passing Places. If you're one of my previous regular listeners, you've waited 10 months for episode 50 to materialise, so I really do uh, acknowledge your patience if you've kept me on your subscription within your iPhone or your Android phone. It's uh, good to be back, and I didn't intend to be off air this long. If you wait to near the end of this episode, I've got some interesting developments, some news, some exciting news about the podcast that I'll share with you. I didn't really want to come back on to the microphone until I felt able to reproduce regular episodes, so I'm hoping with the imminent arrival of autumn and winter, I'll be well placed to get regular podcasts produced. So, I think the last audio I remember producing in 2014 was uh, one dark tea time in the side of Loch Lomond, on the west side of Loch Lomond. And I was trying to find it earlier on today and I haven't and there's probably no bad thing because it was it was full of dread for the winter ahead and that was well founded. We had a very damp, wet winter which uh, was quite depressing. We didn't get any proper cold spell of snow or ice or frost. It was all wet and windy. So the spring and summertime has been probably disappointing as well. The weather hasn't really materialised so we're already beginning to head back into autumn. But anyway, let's be upbeat. I did manage off in, I think it was March time for a week in the sun in Lanzarote and then various, uh, not many, but some weekends away in the van and I spent a fortnight in June out in the Western Isles, which was good. Got a little bit of audio for you on the Western Isles a bit later. But let's uh, take you back to March when I was full of the joys of spring. Things were improving after a long winter at home. And I've got a little bit of audio here about the, the build-up, the excitement, the build-up to the partial solar eclipse. And I was out at my favourite haunt, local haunt, where I go most days when I'm at home at Flanders Moss, so let's get straight into some audio, and here's Flanders Moss. Hello, good morning, you join me at Flanders Moss, my favourite little nature reserve near Stirling, sitting on my favourite bench, and I'm back in front of the microphone after a few months. It's springtime and I've been drawn out for this solar eclipse this morning, the partial solar eclipse. It's a Friday morning about half nine, I think it's the 20th of March. And we're probably 10 minutes away from the maximum effect, so the, the sun is shining, too bright to look at. So it's a, a lovely, still a lovely morning. I was full of optimism this morning because there's only a couple of clouds in the sky, but as the day has uh, moved on nearer the eclipse, the, the clouds have rolled in from the north and the west, and looking north there's a rainbow out over the Trossachs, and that uh, is followed by some really dark rain clouds. So I think we're going to get some some rain coming in from the north and the west and some cloud cover. But looking over east and towards the, the sun, there's still some blue sky there. We might just make it. And I'm looking forward to see how dark it gets and how quickly. The mass media would have you believe that we're going to be plunged into darkness. But uh, you need a bit of patience for these things rather than being plunged into darkness. So skid is whinging. I'm hoping that like the birds when you see it on the telly in Australian places uh, that the birds will stop singing and Skid will stop whinging for at least a couple of minutes. So it's getting a bit nippy as the 
the poorer weather comes in from the west and the north. But uh, these things only happen every so often. It was 1999 it said, since the last one, which was uh, whatever, 15, 16 years ago. So I'm looking forward to it. And just the other night, a couple of nights ago, missed the best ever. Well, certainly the best in the last decade or so, the best um, solar storm to hit Scotland or the the Northern Lights or whatever. They were out uh, on a night in Scotland where we had so much of the country covered in cloud and where I lived it was more of a fog, almost a freezing fog. So another disaster in terms of seeing the Northern Lights but some of the pictures were amazing. People who saw the Northern Lights out in Sky and the Western Isles and further north. So I should have just got in the car and said I'm going to drive for three or four hours or whatever until I see them. Just need to bite the bullet the next time and be really silly and just go for it. So apologies for the bit of wind noise in the microphone. I've got no lavalier microphone today. I'll let you hunt that one down. I think it's in the van. And we're hoping to be back out in the van in the next week or two, around about Easter time. And if the last two years are anything to go by, once I'm in the van, that's me. I usually don't come back home for quite a while, so... I've got the van all ready to go, MOT'd and taxed and serviced. Just need to sort a few things out and get moving. I was over in Lanzarote last week for some winter sunshine and that's given me the a little bit of vitamin D and some optimism that I can get back out. It's been a, an awful winter. Dropped out of social media almost completely. I've really struggled with Facebook over the recent months. The The timeline is just so full of stuff that I don't want to see, nonsense videos and celebrity stuff and things I just have no interest in so I'll need to get back onto passing places the group and get uh, some content for you and start producing the podcast again so I think the break was quite good but the winter last time I really don't want to spend another winter in Scotland at home uh, very little daylight rubbish weather at least if you're in a part of the country where you had a big dump of snow for three or four months you could learn to ski or, you know, learn to do ice carving or something. But in Scotland you get this horrible mix of wet, windy, dark days, some snow, frost. It just keeps changing, but overall it tends to be wet and dark and windy rather than anything else I can remember. So it's pretty depressing. I haven't uh, switched the television on for, well, yonks. Over a year probably since I watched the TV programme, so I've got no interest in television, which is what people seem to do, and I've no interest in shopping, which other is the other main interest that people seem to have, so I need to come up with a plan for uh, next winter. Maybe it's time to bite the bullet and head for mainland Europe or something, but still got childcare and other issues that are uh, both a responsibility but are more important for me in the short term, I think, than escaping the darkness, so... Again, I'm looking north and it looks like the solar eclipse is there. I mean, we are used to a continuous eclipse of the sun, but it's cloud rather than the moon. So the north is dark, just with the amount of cloud coming in. And there's a bit of darkening going on. It's more like a little bit, almost like twilight, but still some direct sunshine coming along. So birds are singing. I'll maybe pause the microphone and come back on. But you can see the... The, the trails of some of the planes flying in out of Glasgow. I think uh, being up in the plane would be quite a nice way to see the the eclipse. 
get above the clouds and get uh, a real sense of it. So I'll, uh, I'll come back to you in a few minutes because we're still, I think, five minutes away from it uh, darkening down or being plunged into darkness and the dog falling silent. I'm looking forward to that and uh, I'll speak to you soon. It's only a minute or so since I put the microphone in pause, but I was just uh, picking up the sound of a, a woodpecker there. And if anything, the birds are singing louder than they were. And uh, definitely darkening a little bit. I thought about doing a time-lapse thing with my iPhone, but uh, I've left the tripod in the van, and with this breeze, it's difficult to set the, the iPhone up without it falling over. You do need to mount it and uh, I've got a feeling this eclipse is just going to be like any other uh, sunset really just it's more astronomically interesting because it's a, an eclipse rather than the day just getting dark but uh, yeah a little bit darker but patience I don't think any youtuber would wait this long if it's not over and done with in 20 seconds they've moved on Well, according to my phone, we're only a minute or two away from the maximum effect, and it's <laughs> it's not anything like as dark as I expected so far, and it's certainly not been plunged. <laughs> but uh, it's different. There's a bit of cloud over the the sun just now, so I can see the disk of the the moon, and it is. Uh, almost completely over the the sun but <laughs> it's not making much difference to the day here it just, I suppose it does look overcast if you look around it's certainly a little bit uh, duller let's say it's, it's it's a twilight effect but it's, it's nowhere near dark absolutely you can still look around and see what you think is uh, sunshine in the fields maybe a couple of miles away so it's maybe just the partial effects of the clouds over the the sun rather than the eclipse. So I'm expecting this uh, to really pick up in the next minute or two or it'll be a bit of a, a damp squid. Squid? Squib? Um, yeah, I'm not convinced. I think you need to go to one of these places where it's uh, 100%. I think they were saying 95% roughly for here maybe. 98% if you really go up to the north of Scotland you might get a 98% coverage of the the sun and I think the Faroe Islands just happen to be in the right track uh, they're getting a proper um, total eclipse so if you're in London and you've got 85 83% <laughs> I don't think you're going to notice it and I think that <laughs> I'm not sure about the traffic chaos and the kids going blind all the things the BBC were rapping on about this morning on their website. So, um, it's, I think it's past. <laughs> I've been sitting out at uh, Flanders Moss for <laughs> an hour or two with Skid. I think he's shaking now with shivers. But uh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen any plunging into darkness. And <laughs> I'm sure that moon's moving off now. So... Partial solar eclipse, the, the the wildlife being startled 
and then falling silent. Uh, the dog being quiet, none of those things happened. It's just got slightly, slightly less bright, I would say, rather than dark. And, uh, well, I think if you had the specs on and you were just looking at the actual effect, the two discs, that would be special. I mean, that is quite a, it's not a very common occurrence, but from a, an impact on the ground, not really, not really, um, you would never, I, I think people who hadn't, uh, who weren't interested in astronomy or who hadn't watched the news <laughs> or read the papers would have, wouldn't even have noticed. You certainly wouldn't notice here in Scotland. That would just wouldn't have done any, that sort of change in light happens every five minutes. So, um, yeah, that was, that was uh, disappointing. I think we'll get up, skid, and we'll go for a wander because it's it's more the weather that's coming in from the west and the north. is looks cold and wet. The wind is picking up a bit. And the best looking weather is where it should be, where we should be plunged into darkness, which is looking that way, and that's looking nice and bright. So. Not too impressed, but who do you blame? Um, until we find out who created the universe, we're, uh, we'll just have to live with it. Okay, speak to you shortly. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that wasn't too boring, but it is on my bucket list to see a total, complete solar eclipse. That would be just fantastic. If you want to get the equivalent of a partial solar eclipse, visit Scotland most days and you'll find the, the lighting varies dramatically and you'll get the same sense of a partial solar eclipse a dozen times in an hour. So that was um, Flanders Moss in March. And then, as I say, we went off to Katie and Dermot and I took the two vans over to the Western Isles for two weeks and we'd thought about this and planned it for a while and we took a hopscotch ticket and long story short, because various ferries were unavailable, we went counterclockwise. We drove the vans up to Uig on the Isle of Skye and then took the ferry over to Tarbot on Harris and spent a few days exploring Lewis, including the Callanish stones and things. And then we headed back down through Tarbert, down through the Eusts, and ended up in Barra. And the disappointment for me across the full fortnight was the weather. Out of two weeks, I think we only managed 15 minutes, if that, on one day, sitting outside, this was in Barra, sitting outside the vans in our little chairs, the entire fortnight almost we were in the vans because it was either wet, windy or cold and often all three. So here's a, a little bit of audio which I recorded in the middle of the night at Luskintyre which is an amazing place, Luskintyre Bay on Harris. Beautiful sands and lovely setting and the local people have organised a way for motorhomes and camper vans to park up for the night. There's a designated bays and you go onto the web and pay, I think it's £5 a night through PayPal. So I'll tell you more about the Western Isles and the trip in a coming episode. But here's just a little taster of what it was like in June on the Western Isles.
when it's about four o'clock in the morning and you find me lying in my bed in the van and as you can probably hear the, the sound of the wind and the rain is incessant and what a difference 24 hours makes this time yesterday I was lying in my bed in Uig Sands and I could hear a corn creek maybe half a mile away, a mile away just that incessant sound the corn creek makes during the night it was flat calm, completely still daylight at 3 o'clock, half 3 in the morning and then as the dawn came up then I could hear the, the cuckoo whereas tonight we've moved down from Uig Sands which is in the western corner of Lewis and we're down in the west side of Harris and we're just at the top end of Luskintyre Bay on the roadside, single track road right next to the, the water's edge and the weather has turned really bad we've got a bit of a storm blowing through with uh, heavy rain and quite high winds and last night the tide came up the vans are facing out to the loch and the tide was up to maybe just a metre below the road we were sort of joking as to whether the tide would come in and wash us away but uh, I doubt Dermot and Katie are the vans are sitting parked alongside each other and I think they're getting the brunt of the, the wind I'm sort of sitting in uh, tucked in so I think my van's getting some protection but it feels like I've been in a washing machine most of the night with the the noise of the water and the van getting chucked around so I'll need my power nap this afternoon to catch up in my sleep uh, little skiddy boy's buried under his blankets in his bed and uh, it's been, as I say, quite a wild night so far uh, roll on 6-7 o'clock where I can get up and get some some things done, get the heating on maybe and get some breakfast but uh, today we're heading down to Leverborough for the ferry over to Bernary on to North Uist and it all sounds worse than the van but I might may not be surprised if the ferry is disrupted we've had to book the ferry you can hear that rain that's <laughs> torrential and that's the microphones on normal sensitivity you can have the microphones on my recorder set to high medium or low and that's supposed to be normal and it's probably ruining the whole recording but just to give you a sense of what it sounds like inside the, the van when the rain is battering on the roof and the wind is blowing and this is early June out in the Western Isles quite a Hebridean adventure. It's the first night while camping with Dermot and Katie, so the weather makes such a difference if you can get decent weather. You can be sitting out barbecuing, you can be sitting out in your chairs and having a glass of wine. And in this weather you're confined to the the vans looking out the window at the the horrible weather, but it gives you a, it does give you a sense of the place. So I'm just killing time really. If I was properly on mowing I would be up and about, but I don't want to make any noise, not that they would hear, given that it must be bedlam in their van as well, so.
In here it just drops off occasionally, the rain will drop off and the wind will die and then it'll be back with a, a vengeance in a, in a minute or two. But uh, difficult to sleep with that level of noise. So I'm looking forward to better weather. The forecast is a suggestion of high pressure building across the British Isles and probably arriving in the Western Isles. Uh, last, which I think by early next week we should have drier, settled weather. Maybe then we'll get to south side and see some decent uh, sunsets and stuff. So yeah, a couple of vans parked up on a lock side in the Western Isles and inclement weather. But I think I'll switch this off and maybe see if I can catch another hour or two sleep. And, uh, speak to you again soon. Cheers. So yeah, that was June. The weather in June. It uh, did improve a little bit down in Barra. We got some reasonable weather and we sat outside the cafe, the Kizimul Cafe in Castle Bay. But uh, I really do like the Western Isles. I'll need to definitely arrange to go back as soon as possible. And one of the things I'm going to try and do in the podcast is bring you various items, bits and pieces of news. So one of the things that's been happening over the last few years is the implementation of the cheaper ferry tickets. This uh, idea of the road equivalent mile type tariff. So the Western Isles and other places are becoming uh, less expensive to visit if you're using the motorhome. But I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who'd uh, come across these tickets which are if you're a foot passenger or if you're a cyclist, you can pick up a ticket from any British Rail or Scott Rail uh, station in Scotland and get one ticket the whole way through to uh, Barra, for instance, or to other places in the Western Isles. And that includes your rail ticket, your connections, if it's through Glasgow or wherever, your travel to Oban, and then includes your ferry as well. I think 60 quid or something from the central belt, which seemed a, a good ticket. And if you're a cyclist, ideal because your bike will go for free and you get transport on the islands. And the bicycle's a great way to get round the Western Isles. Very, very um, cost-effective way to travel. There's also a, a new over 50s club, which is going to allow people over 50 to travel anywhere in Scotland on the trains with a 20% discount on off-peak tickets. So that's worth looking at if you're over 50 and living in Scotland and you travel uh, reasonably frequently on off-peak trains. So a couple of bits of travel news there. Now I'm going to take you back. I know we've just left Flanders Moss, but I'll take you back to a recording I made just the other day. I was over at Flanders Moss and it was quite a pleasant day. I was over there again today, actually, and I was there yesterday, but that's another story. But here's a little bit of audio from Flanders Moss, which is all about adders. And I feel as if I should mention something about adders, but I think it's in the audio. So have a little listen to snakes at Flanders Moss. Well, if you've listened to episodes of the podcast before, you know that one of the places I often visit locally is Flanders Moss and I've just arrived here 
pretty grey morning. Still school holidays in England, so there's a few tourists around, but a couple of cars in the car park when I arrived, but they've gone. So yeah, Flanders Moss is a wetland bog area, and uh, it's a small remnant of the, the bog that used to be here. And it's a pretty diverse little habitat for plants and insects, and in turn some small mammals and birds, so it's always quiet. And uh, there's a sign here just as you come in that says, a couple of warning signs, the bog surface is fragile and hazardous, with hidden deep water-filled ditches across the bog. We also have adders living on Flanders moss, snakes. It's a funny thing to to put as part of a warning sort of paragraph. But anyway, there's adders, as far as I understand, across Scotland. Reasonably um, common, but very rarely seen. I think most people haven't seen an adder. I think over the years I've seen three or four. And uh, if you do see a snake in Scotland, it's definitely an adder. Unless you're in Edinburgh Zoo, because it's the only native snake we have. When I was a kid we used to talk about uh, grass snakes. But as far as I understand, you only get grass snakes in England. Maybe the odd one. Slithers into Scotland, but uh, the adder's the only snake we have, and uh, it's got quite a bite. Really, it's uh, venom's designed, I think, to incapacitate or kill smaller, small mammals, frogs, uh, lizards, newts, plenty of them here, and uh, maybe small birds and things. But I think if it got, uh, if Skid got near an adder, that might be bit of a problem if he was bitten because he's, he's probably small enough to have a serious problem with it maybe even maybe even kill him people talk about adders being uh, venomous and I suppose they are but the, from memory there's only been a couple of deaths from adder bites way back in the 70s I think a, a child was bitten by an adder and died but if you did get bitten well firstly if you see an adder it's going to immediately look to take off, so uh, you're very, very unlikely to... Well, you might see an adder, but uh, it'll definitely slide off. So it's not going to come after you or attack you or whatever. But uh, there's, two, there's two reactions, actually, to seeing snakes. My daughter, when we used to go into the garden and do the Easter bunny thing to find eggs... And she'd find a little mini egg or something she'd immediately pounce on it just through you know excitement and whilst most people if they saw a snake would run in the opposite direction or at least stop and give it a body swerve and be quite uh, frightened there are minority people whose reaction when they see a snake is to is to shout there's a snake and grab it it's just an impulse to pick it up and those are the people who have been bitten it's usually people who pick an adder up uh, who get bitten uh, not it's hardly surprising that an adder isn't really keen on being picked up when you've not even been introduced so yeah if you do see an adder that's you're quite lucky because as I say I've seen twice out in the Crinan Canal in Argyll and then once in fact in the same area down near Loch Sween on the Mull of Kintyre and then once on the West Highland Way, 
came across an adder between Tyndrum and Bridge of Orkey. But I don't see them very often. The, the best time to see them is uh, on a sunny day, maybe when they've come out early in the season and they're basking in the sunshine. And this summer has been, spring and summer has been so disappointing with the weather. I think the adders have probably gone on holiday as well, so abroad or something. But you're just not going to come across adders very often. And I wonder if that's in part what, whether that would put people off. People's fear of snakes is so ingrained. It's a funny thing you put in the sign. They have got some logs, log piles they say in one of the signs to help the adders hibernate over the winter. It's more like uh, branches off of silver birch that I can see lying around in piles. But I think it's a very unlikely we're going to see an adder today. If you do see them maybe a foot to under three feet, certainly less than a metre long for an adult. And uh, pretty, I say, boring markings, sort of browny, grey, blacky colour, that sort of nothing fancy. And uh, usually, as I say, they'll, they'll slither off into the undergrowth if they get wind of you. Um, and if you do get bitten as an adult, I think you'd survive. So that's our top predator in terms of venomous snakes. The thing you need to worry about much more is the midgey. And the midgey is only a couple of millimetres. And uh, they, they don't hunt in packs, they hunt in swarms of millions. And uh, certainly if you meet midges, you'll know all about it. But we're getting to that uh, mid-August. should be the height of summer. And there'll be no midges today. There's quite a breeze, very cold. And grey, cloudy skies all round Flanders Moss. There's one silver birch, which is almost mature, sitting out in the bog. And it's, it's already beginning to show signs, early signs of the leaves turning. There's the summer gone, but at least I've got Flanders Moss to myself this morning. Uh, those two cars have gone. And we're just going to do a couple of circuits. One of the things I've started recently is a, I bought one of these fitness trackers. You might be able to hear them now walking on the boardwalks around the, the bog. I bought a little fitness tracker by Jawbone. It's called the Jawbone. Is it the Jawbone Move? Quite a, somewhere between ugly and uh, um, pretty boring little device, looking looks wise, but it's in my pocket. And the reason I went for it is that uh, it's a sort of entry level price, about 30 quid. But it's actually, it's the app. I looked at all the apps from Fitbit and Garmin and the Jawbone app has so many different statistics and graphs and things. I thought I need to get that. So I went for the app first and foremost. And it's worked a treat in terms of getting me out. Spent the winter in front of the computer and was managing, I would guess, hundreds of steps a day. And they reckon you should really be doing about 10,000 if you fancy losing weight and getting fit. So I got this fitness tracker, I don't know, a month ago or something. And I've used it every day. Just built up very, very gradually from being totally sedentary almost. I'm now on four and a half thousand steps a day, so 
I've got loads of headroom yet to actually get into some serious walking so I've got to 5,000 this weekend and before we know it we'll be at 10,000 which is if you've got a job and you're out busy during the day you're on your feet a lot you manage 10,000 steps quite easily if you like me spend umpteen hours a day in front of a computer screen and you only get up to make a coffee go to the loo or something and occasionally nip out for half an hour somewhere you actually really need some exercise so it's uh, just early days for me but it's already beginning to, to work and Flanders Moss has a, a board walking round the, the bog and it's about a, it says in one of the signs 900 metres so I've ended up doing laps around here it's like a, an athletic circuit like a running track or something so we might go around two or three times and there's a a viewing tower over there which is maybe two and a half, three storeys high so get a few steps in as well so uh, I'm just going to let Skid off the lead and uh, let him run on ahead ok Skid, sit right, you stay there this is a wee trick with Skid get him to sit for a minute or two and we'll go on up the, the path a bit and we'll just uh, Come on. Like a wee train. <laughs> that's, that's him happy now. He can lift his leg every two seconds along the, the path. On a good clear day at Flanders Moss, you can see Ben Lomond and Ben Leddy and Ben Venue, Ben Vorlich. And you can see over to well, I can see the Wallace Monument at Stirling, which is maybe, I don't know, seven, eight miles away. I can see that in that direction, but in the westerly direction, no sign of Ben Lomond. In fact, no sign of any of the mountains. Completely disappeared in the low clouds. So that's not very good. And it's been a really disappointing summer so far. Maybe mentioned elsewhere on the podcast. I spent a couple of weeks in the Western Isles with sister Katie and brother-in-law Dermot, and we, from memory, over full two weeks, we managed to be sitting outside the vans once for 10-15 minutes. The weather was at times really wet, and even when it was dry throughout the fortnight, we had cold winds. So that was in June, and we haven't really had any proper, I say prolonged spell, even four or five days of sunshine. Had the odd day here and there. But uh, Scot Scottish people and British people generally are obsessed about the weather, so if you're listening to this somewhere else, apologies for me rambling on about it. So I'm going to come, come back to you shortly once we get up on the tower. Have a quick word. Speak to you soon. So Skid and I are on the top of the tower at Flanders Moss, just having a quick wander around. It's a timber frame thing with, I can see through the floor which is a wee bit disconcerting for me because I, I get vertigo and there's not much of a view today because of the clouds. So just a bit of exercise coming up here. Battery's on the recorder, just about to, to go so we'll uh, call it a day but we'll 
head down the steps and uh, do one more lap of Flanders Moss and then we'll get off and uh, speak to you soon. Okay, you join me, I'm back at the studio, as I call it. I've been spending a lot of time in recent months organising my home studio. And although I haven't been producing episodes of Passing Places, I have been involved in podcast production for other people and I've been developing my own uh, websites around my business concept and doing all sorts of bits and pieces for people. So I've been pretty busy. And one of the things that I wanted to do for getting back into passing places was to increase or improve my audio gear. So I'm sitting looking at a bank of uh, compressors and a brand new Rode NT1 condenser microphone. So I better not geek out on you, but it's, uh, it's a fantastic microphone. It's a, a microphone I've wanted for some months and it's a move away from the dynamic microphones that most podcasters use. And the only thing I have left to do, you probably hear the echo on this audio, is I have some acoustic treatment to do on a few of the walls, and then we'll be good to go. So, I did say I'd have some news for you, and what I've been considering over the winter and springtime is how to take the podcast forward, how to keep it going. And I've decided, you've probably heard in the audio there, that I've, I've more or less fallen out with Facebook. I find it really difficult to stomach the content on most of the pages and I will try and uh, delve into the Passing Places podcast group and, and try and maintain some sort of link with it but I've decided that I'm going to concentrate on my own um, websites and I'm also talking about uh, launching a new, in fact you might have come across it if you've been searching online, a new what I'm calling an insider club a website for the podcast where people can join for a, a very small uh, monthly amount. I haven't decided yet how much. And as a member, they will get access to all sorts of additional audio and video content that I'm intending to produce. In fact, I've already been populating it with quite a bit of audio uh, before the launch. So the regular Passing Places podcast that you hopefully I've been listening to in the past, will continue as often as it was before. And I would say as, you know, as regular as possible, ideally weekly, but might occasionally be fortnightly, but I don't want to see another um, situation where I'm off the audio for 10 months. So the regular free episodes will continue and you can continue to get them through your subscription if you're on iTunes or pick them up on the web as normal. So there's no change there. Everything I'm talking about within the Passing Places new website is additional material, which is optional. And uh, probably about a month away from launch. And my thought is if people were prepared to pay just a small monthly amount, I'm still to work out the detail, then that would cover quite a lot of the hosting fees and costs I have. But I could also concentrate on answering people's questions and provide much more detailed um, audio and video content, premium content for people, which once they'd paid the small monthly amount would be entirely free to listen to or to download. So that's where I'm going to take my presence online rather than investing it in Facebook. And the new website's called passingplaces.scot. 
a new Scott domain name came out uh, some months ago, and I think it was last, was it last year? Can't remember when it came out. Anyway, I registered the name in advance, so passingplaces.scot will be the new website, and there will be all sorts of video guides in there, routes and tours around Scotland, as well as additional audio over and above the regular free um, Passing Places podcast, which will continue to be hosted on bonnytours.com. Just at a practical level, that's what I intend to do in the short term, is keep the, the website as it was before. So that's the news. I'll give you a lot more details about that in the weeks ahead. One thing I would like to do is invite you, if you're listening to this podcast in August, or maybe even September, is if you would like to be almost like a beta tester, I'd quite like to invite a, a number of people to join Passing Places uh, on a free basis to help me get the thing up and running. So if you hear this podcast during August, September time, 2015, and you'd like to help out, um, just sign up to the um, newsletter, either on bonnytours.com or at passingplaces.scot, and I'll get in touch and give you a password on how to access the new site. So that's uh, exciting stuff, and it will take up a lot of my time because I want to build a, a large library catalogue of content so that in future months it'll take time to build up but in the months ahead you'll be able to go into passingplaces.scot pull up the map and there'll be audio uh, in every direction there'll be audio from wherever you are in Scotland or wherever you want to go there'll be a number of different uh, audio files that you can listen to or download and take with you on your trip so that's for the future it's just good to be back and uh, bit of a hodgepodge of content today. The other bit of news is tomorrow I'm off to Anstruther in Fife, one of the, the favourite places for me in Scotland and a good time to go. At this time of year, the schools have finally just gone back. The English schools, I believe, will be back next week. So this weekend should be the end of the busiest period. And Anstruther is one of the, the nice little towns, villages on that Five coastal path that I like so much. So I'm meeting up with Dermot and Katie. We're staying at uh, the campsite in Anstruther for the weekend. So I'm, uh, as I say, glad to be back and I look forward to catching up with you all in the next week or two. I'll have more information on passingplaces.scot, the new insider club, and some feedback on how we got on at Anstruther. So in the meantime, until such time as I come back on the microphone, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks.